0: Exodus chapter 16 last we went through the first 15 chapters of Exodus and in chapter 15 we see the song of Moses and the promise from the Lord that he will heal All our diseases. And they had an issue with the water, but they couldn't drink it. We saw that the people began to not just say that there's no water, but they murmured against Moses. It's written that the tone and the attitude was not just, what are we going to drink, as a matter of wanting to know the solution. But the people had a a bad habit of leveraging the complaint against the man of God and against God himself. This is the very thing that God says not to do and he says this is the kind of attitude that developed in these people and they kept at it and God had to destroy them. And that's written very clearly in the New Testament let us not be as some were who murmured who complained and God had to punish them many open doors we can have in our lives but it's important for us to step back and reflect what the causes are for certain things happening and then seek to eliminate the cause if we are tied to that cause. To see why things are happening. Many people go through life, Christians, who think that everything is God's will or God allowed it because there's a greater purpose. The greatest purpose of any trial is to get us to come to an end of ourselves and to depend upon God completely. But to relearn the lesson over and over and over again is not efficient at all and we end up shortchanging ourselves when God wants to bring us to Canaan we can be stuck in the wilderness now these people just came out with a mighty deliverance from Almighty God with an outstretched hand His mighty arm delivered them And they sang the song, they triumphed in God's triumph. Going back to chapter 15, verse 22, you see, so Moses brought Israel from the Red Sea and they went out into the wilderness of Shur. And they went three days in the wilderness and found no water. Now, when they came to Mara, they could not drink the waters of Mara, for they were bitter. Incidentally, we have a water situation here for the past um, almost a week now, where we can't drink the water because of some pipe uh, breaking. The town has to sent out send out samples and they have to check the samples and then they have to get clearance from the health department. But in the midst of our situations, we can have the Bible in one hand and have our present day, day-to-day experiences on the other hand and never the twain shall meet. We can have such a philosophy like East and West never never the twain shall meet that's something God alerts us to we heard recently that we ought to remember what we hear we ought to meditate we ought to apply we ought to take it to heart everything we hear and if we can't remember it then perhaps it's a clear signal that we're not paying attention anything with the word of God with our lives if we don't pay attention then we'd have to relearn the lesson And we start to backtrack and see why, where we have failed. The people of Israel couldn't do that because they were thinking they were leading themselves. They gave lip service to God. When things seemed to be nice and sunny, everything was fun, they can praise God. When things went sour or there was a challenge or a trial, instantly they turned against God, against Moses. They didn't question in an innocent way, Lord, why is this happening? Please show me. Do I have anything to do with this at all? So they began to complain. That's one thing. The other thing is when somebody does ask, Lord, what's happening? And they don't dare complain against God and blame God or blame the servants of God. They've learned that lesson. But then they're not honest. Immediately they give themselves as if a child can grade himself or herself with that report card at the end of the marking period. Give myself all A's and bring the report card to the parents. Pure deception. Inasmuch as the Bible says not the one that commends himself is commendable but the one whom God commends. God is the one who grades us. So when I say or when we say Lord, why, is, why are certain things happening? As we're comparing this and learning from what we're reading in the Word of God this morning. And show me, Lord, whether my attitude is right and whether I'm honest. Do I have anything to do with it? This trial, this challenge, this problem. If I can sit quietly before the Lord, ask Him to check me not me, check myself, and grade myself, give myself flying colors and go out the door and blame everybody else. This was a problem with the children of Israel. God recorded it so that we can learn from it. Everything in the scriptures, we may go through the minor prophets as we did. Some of them in church, some months ago, Jonah, then Nahum, and then recently Haggai. We can get that head knowledge, but it has to come into the heart. We say, Lord, how does Haggai apply to me? How does Jonah and Nahum apply to me? How does this Exodus story, this truth, this history, apply to me? How does chapter 15 apply to me? They came three days into the wilderness. They found no water. What if I was an Israelite? What would I have said? How many Christians would immediately complain? But yet we can read the scriptures with a lens as if we're the inspectors and we're the reviewers and we're the graders and say, tsk tsk. How sad the Israelites. They're so bad. Can't they see that God is going to lead them and God has been leading them? And yet, when a challenge comes to us, something goes wrong, immediately we can resort to our own devices and begin to think a million thoughts about who to blame and what instead of saying, Lord, I'm in your hands. First question is, have I anything to do with this? Don't be so quick to let yourself off the hook because inevitably, God will drag us back in with His staff, with that hook Into the wilderness to learn the lesson. Better to say, Lord, the waters are bitter. Do I have anything to do with it? God was spoken. The waters are bitter. We're in the wilderness. We just escaped. But there's no guarantee here of anything being comfortable. Already we just started the journey. Looking for the promised land. And we have this trouble. Waters are bitter. What should we do, Lord? Instead of that, why did you bring us here? How could you do this, Moses? In this instance, we learned last time, the exceeding patience of God, he just gave such an immense deliverance for them. Do you think he was happy? because it's not recorded that he said anything how was the Trinity feeling about this incident how was the Godhead Father, Son and Holy Spirit feeling about this that the people that he just rescued, keeping his promise so faithful to Abraham and to everyone here few days into the wilderness begin to act like there's no God that they don't have God, that God didn't do anything for them. It would have hurt the Lord. And subsequent to this, he begins to speak. And there's a record of at least ten times where they tempted and tested the Lord, grieved Him greatly, angered Him greatly, because they kept at it. It's important to go through our Christian life with eyes wide open, and always look for the cause, for the effect. to See why things are happening. And always put myself, humble myself before the Lord and say, Lord, do I have anything to do with this problem? Am I the cause of it in any regard? Once God clears us and we know, Lord, you've searched me. Can't just say that. We have to allow him to search us before we can say you've searched me. Takes us to sit humbly before him. Once we get clearance from the Lord that it's not because of you. Next question is, Lord, still, what should I do in this situation, Lord? It's so important to act like we are servants and children of God. That he's the shepherd and we're the sheep. The people complained against Moses, saying, what shall we drink? Exodus 15, 25. So he cried out to the Lord, and the Lord showed him a tree. When he cast it into the waters, the waters were made sweet. What tree can make waters sweet? These days, in scientific circles, they can almost find some naturalistic, quote-unquote, logical explanation for everything even if such a thing doesn't exist as a tree that you can just take and cast into some bitter water and it becomes sweet they can conjecture and they can hypothesize and they can begin to give their two cent science two cents why? to discredit the miracle Satan will always come to try to show himself better and bigger than God The way he does it, because he's a slanderer, Satan, accuser. It comes to discredit God. Right from the Garden of Eden. This was a miracle. God showed him a tree. He did exactly what God said. And it became sweet, these waters. And God teaches something here further. There he made a statute and an ordinance for them. He made this rule or regulation and there he tested them. He wanted to see whether they're going to learn. Can I take these people with me on the journey? I had high hopes for them that they would just come be excited and follow me and when things go wrong they would know who just delivered them from 400 plus years of bondage and that I am the faithful God who is faithful to your forefathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And I've shown you that I'm faithful. I spared your firstborn to the Passover, the plagues. God begins to sift them and test them to see whether they will come, listen, so he can bless them. It says here, he tested them. And he gives this promise and a condition. The Lord said, if you diligently heed the voice of the Lord your God, number one. Secondly, and do what is right in his sight. Thirdly, give ear to his commandments and keep all his statutes. We stop right there. Did God just say, keep all his statutes all his rules all his regulations these people don't even know about the cross they don't know about Calvary they don't know about grace as we know it isn't this being a little too hard they just came out of bondage they haven't even received the law at Sinai yet notice what God says he expects them to Work hard to strive with everything that's within them. To do what? Heed the voice of the Lord their God. To check themselves, to see what God told me to do, am I doing it? And do what's right, not in my sight, but in my God's sight. And give ear to His commandments. And keep all His statutes. He said, just do that. And I will give you healing and health and wholeness. I will bless you. I will put none of the diseases on you. Which I have brought on the Egyptians. For I am the Lord who heals you. I can go to the Lord when we have a situation. Health crisis. Health crisis or crises. Whatever it is. Come to the Lord. Say Lord. Is the disease here because I haven't diligently heeded your voice or oh, everything I've learned, Lord? Do I have this disease because I'm not doing what's right in your sight? I'm trying to manipulate the situation and do what's right in my sight and pass it off as if I'm doing God's will. Lord, do I have the disease because I'm not giving ear to your commandments? I turn a deaf ear, I close my eyes, I sit down. I'm present, but not present. Lord, is this problem here because I haven't kept all your statutes? How the Word of God is a mirror will give us a spiritual checkup instantly. But we have to be sincere. The person who goes to the doctor and tries to cover up their illness is fooling themselves. They may come out thinking I fooled the doctor and I'm fine. When the doctor put the stethoscope on my chest to hear my lungs, I adjusted my voice and adjusted my breathing so that he can't hear the wheezing. And I fooled the doctor and I came out and I'm fine. The problem's still there that's as foolish, if not more so, as going to God's Word and hearing His Word and praying and never doing a thing about what He said to do or to be optional in my thinking. Thinking that His commandments are optional. I'll do some of it, not all of it. Hold on to what? bitterness, envy, hatred, prejudice, backbiting, which is speaking... When someone's not there slandering them, gossiping, complaining, murmuring, a host of ill health, spiritually speaking, mentally, emotionally, can cause physical illness as well. For spiritual beings, out of the heart flows all the issues of life. If I can read the scriptures as in Exodus 15.26... Many people like to claim the promise Exodus 15 26 C or B part of the verse they skip right over the condition. I claim this I claim that my God this I declare this God will not accept that and he won't do anything. And if we seem to have escaped something. It's a sheer mercy, the goodness of God at that moment to lead us to repentance as is written in Romans. We need to know that God's word will be the last word. That no matter what happens, how many times we've escaped something, we can't assume that it's because we're okay and God rewarded us. Many times it's God's grace to get us to think, I don't deserve this, and yet my God did it for me. I feel terrible that I disobeyed the Lord and He showed so much mercy. I'm not going to do this again to grieve the Lord. How many people think that way? They like to they like to take the blessing and run and never think about it and think whether it was merely God's grace and that he expects me to do something now. As he said to people in the New Testament, go and sin no more. The man got healed and the Lord found him later and said, go and sin no more. Imagine if the man said, I got healed. It must be because I was good. The Lord came later and found him and said, don't sin anymore or a worse thing will happen to you. If I can go through these scriptures and say, Lord, truly, I've diligently listened to the voice of the Lord my God. God, I did what was right in your sight. Not like Saul. I did what's right in God's sight. He lied through his teeth. But actually, to speak the truth, I did do what is right in your sight, Lord. I'm changed. I don't do things like I used to Lord I don't fight back I don't take vengeance I don't say nasty things I don't harbor ill will ill will Lord I don't steal I don't do any of that stuff I don't look the other way when my family's doing wrong because after all it's family I want to maintain an image I want to make sure they're there for me when I need it truth and justice is out the window This is why families are in trouble. Though they consider themselves Christian. Often. No peace. No faith. No holiness whatsoever. If I can go through this and say, Lord, I've given ear to your commandments. I've kept all of your regulations. Then I can know. This is a situation such as Job was in I'm going through something not because I've sinned or because I'm continuing to sin but God is doing something for a greater glory God is doing something to use this against the devil himself when his child is faithful through the trial to have a clear conscience during trial is worth more than all the comfort of this world and even health to have the spiritual health the commendation that comes from God I know this child of mine one who fears God and Issues evil. The apostle Paul. Was walking right. He was being used mightily of God. They took the handkerchief from his body. People got healed instantly. Demons shrieked. And came out of people. Yet. As he was doing God's will, he came to that island. All of a sudden, the viper came, the snake, got a hold of his hand, his arm. And the people thought, this man is a bloody man. Look at that. He's sick. He's gonna die. He's not right. Watch him. They thought he's going to swell up and he's going to die. But Paul was a holy man who feared the Lord and obeyed the Lord and surrendered to the Lord on that road to Damascus right then and there. No longer I that live, Christ liveth in me. And he resisted and overcame the devil and shook that viper into the fire. we need to judge ourselves correctly and if we're going to judge anyone the Lord says this judge righteous judgment the same Lord who says don't judge lest you be judged he says know who people are watch out for certain people know what kind of spirits are coming stay away that's judging judging doesn't merely mean to condemn someone is to know their true state and even expose them to protect oneself and other loved ones. But the first person to judge as we walk with God and we're called to discern and to separate light from darkness, good from evil, to know the right path and the wrong path and avoid the wrong path takes discernment. It takes using our Powers of judgment, not to condemn, but to expose what's true and what's error, what's light and what's darkness. It's first to look into our own hearts, our own minds. Is it possible for a Christian to have an evil mind? Is it possible for a born-again person experiencing miracles to have a dark heart? Absolutely. Any moment a believer can operate in the flesh and become dark and evil, if he or she chooses to not pay attention to God's commandments by default, something will come in. But if I'm careful to diligently do what God said, not to hold anything against anyone, even when things are exposed and I have to say certain things, There's no personal vengeance going on. I give vengeance into the hand of the Lord. There are certain people who say all of those things. Oh no, I don't take vengeance. My God is bigger and He said that He'll take vengeance. Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. I will repay. They'll say all the right things because they've been taught the orthodox teaching the truth. But in practice, evil heart, dark mind, dark mind, evil heart, If God comes and says you have blood on your hands I can't put my hands behind my back and say where Lord? I don't see it. Lord I want to ask you one other question. While the hands are still behind the back go closer. Eyebrows very intensely lowered Lord, who told you that I have blood on my hands, by the way? Because I'd like to murder them. It's a horrible life to look into God's Word and hear the Word, never sit alone quietly and say, Lord, is there any wicked way in me, Lord, that I may be the cause of my family never surrendering to you because they see hypocrisy talk about love and I need God and come and blast me because I didn't do something right in their sight the greatest hindrance to a family member usually from surrendering to the Lord is the other family member who knows the Lord in the day and age in which we live because People don't surrender to the commandments of God. That's the problem. Many people want to be a partner with God. Lord, you lead a little bit and I'll lead some more. And we can take turns, Lord. Do you know how you can know and I can know that God is leading me, God is leading you? Is when we keep our mouth closed and simply Do what he says. That's all. The people would not learn this lesson. And yet God graciously told them, the testing is beginning now. If you don't want trouble, you don't want disease, follow me. This is a prescription. This is a prescription for them. As we know from the story of Job, from Paul the Apostle, from Timothy, Hezekiah, many, many people who had diseases, afflictions, trials, attacks from the devil. They were walking upright. But you see, that clear conscience... Could cause them to cry out to God for deliverance and have faith that God will come through. Then they came to Elam where there were twelve wells of water and seventy palm trees. So they camped there by the waters. If we think about it, three days into the wilderness, they began to murmur against God murmur against Moses to murmur against Moses is to murmur against God because God was the one who was working through Moses so they were murmuring against God imagine if they didn't murmur and they said it's been three days Moses everyone it's been three days we have no water Moses, can you please pray to the Lord? Can you ask Him what's happening? Wouldn't you think that God would have said, hold on a little bit, I'm going to bring you to 12 wells of water and 70 palm trees. God is always working. He will always take us by the hand to the green pasture. Bring us to the destination, but during the journey, we must exhibit faith and not unbelief, we must praise Him, in the storm, in the trial, sincerely, loving Him, saying, Lord, no matter what, I love You, because You love me first, Lord, in spite of my ungodliness, no matter what, I will love You to the end. They would have had victory, they would have had their, spiritual thirst quenched, way before they came to this setting. God always has an answer. He always has a solution. Always He will bring us out from the trial. But the clear lesson is, we have to behave as children of God, who really know God, people who know their God, love Him, serve Him, boast about His goodness, because we've seen what He has done in the past for His people and for ourselves. it's a reminder this morning to not go back to complaining or murmuring ever again. Not to spread complaining and murmuring to other people either. But if the thought should come to complain against God, to get angry at that thought that comes from the devil himself, to get out in Jesus' name, my Lord is faithful. Even in the midst of pain, even in the midst of darkness and loss, my God is faithful. He will never leave me nor forsake me. God will surely bring us out into a large place. Chapter 16, And they journeyed from Elam, and all the congregation of the children of Israel came to the wilderness of Sin, which is between Elam and Sinai. On the fifteenth day of the second month, After they departed from the land. Then the whole congregation of the children of Israel complained against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. After having this rich water supply, all of these trees, all of the shade, and all, all of this literal oasis of an experience in the wilderness. They start again. Talk bad about God's servants. Which is talking bad about God. Because the servants are his messengers. To say something bad about a diplomat, an ambassador from another country, to treat that individual bad is to treat the nation from which they came, that. And the powers of that nation, whose ambassador was mistreated and ill-treated, will take notice, take great offense. and They'll take action. That's exactly what happens here. And the children of Israel said to them, Oh, that we had died by the hand of the Lord. How wicked to say we wish that God would have killed us in the land of Egypt. This shows that Satan had a host of demons eagerly trying to stop God's plan because they escaped out of the devil's hands through Pharaoh And he said, well, I'm going to tag along and see who I can enter into. He found numerous candidates who had no integrity, no character. They were in it for the benefits. They didn't really care too much about God and God's plan and God's relationship with them immediately they started thinking well I'm free I'm my own boss we're going to move as a herd together and we're going to make it just like the Tower of Babel we're glad that God is here to back us up it's a strange thing to read but it's a reality in many people's lives who claim to know God they operate in two modes at any given time, either one. Either crying out to God and saying, God, I really love you. I really want to serve you. I really want to be with you, Lord. I really want to die to the world, Lord. And uh, the next moment, make their choices of how they will behave, how they will treat other people. Forget about God's commandments about loving a neighbor. No, I want God to bless me the way I am and get me what I want. And I'll be humble before Him for a little while. But the rest of His commandments, all of His statutes, God knows we can't keep all of it. All kinds of talk manifested in the behavior. The children of Israel said to them, Oh, that we have died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt when we sat by the pots of meat we had Dunkin Donuts and Pizza Hut hamburgers and hot dogs and french fries I can just smell it Moses Aaron you did us wrong we could have had a good last meal even if we died back there What's the use of living here it's not a restaurant in sight how easy it is if we're driving or we go somewhere we can say something factual there are no places here but to have an attitude of resentment and ill will and faithlessness and complaint and make that spread that's a terrible crime for the Lord but it gives us an amazing opportunity as we see how the people behave, to really see ourselves in the mirror if we are like them or not. And make a decision. I'm not going to complain ever again against the Lord. Lord, help me. And if we should slip somewhere, God is faithful. He's merciful. How many times has He forgiven you and me? How many times? He told Peter 70 times 7 He's forgiven us thousands upon thousands and millions of times. But for the sincere person who really wants to please the Lord Jesus, not be a man pleaser with lip service and eye service, but in the privacy of my heart, to be clean, sanctifying the Lord God in my heart, blessing His name, acting like His children who have faith, Not complain against him. Watching my words. Knowing that it's going that route. I'm going to stop right here. No more words from me. Because I can see how the devil is trying to get into my mouth. The devil can get into Christians' mouths. If they're not careful. If we're not careful. Just like you did with Peter. So the lessons here are numerous. But what we need to pay attention is what God said in the previous chapter. Diligently heed. Make every effort to remember point by point what the Lord my God told me to do and what He told me not to do. Make sure right before Him, that's a great day. If I obey God, no matter if a tornado struck, earthquake, Wall Street collapse, whatever if I can get through a day knowing that I pleased my God, I did not complain against Him, I did not do my neighbor wrong, I sought to do God's will, that's a successful day, no matter whatever else happens. They go further. When we sat by the pots of meat and when we ate bread to the full, they were beaten. They were humiliated. All of a sudden they have this illusion that we were dining like kings over there. Have you ever heard people like that? We've heard many, unfortunately, as we counsel people, they have spiritual amnesia, not only forgetting God's word and what God did for them, but they are also going to hallucination, where they think that you know I was better off in that other place that God told me to get out of. They get deceived. Because no fear of God. And notice what they say. For you have brought us out into this wilderness to kill us. To kill this whole assembly. With hunger. What are they doing? As they say the to in Moses. They are telling God, God. God. He came and he took us out of bondage. So he can kill us out here. And the Lord said to Moses. Notice God doesn't immediately say. Foolish people, evil people, I'm gonna, I will kill you right now. Is what you say I will do? God is not like that. He waited and waited and waited. Here he says, "Behold, I will rain bread from heaven for you, and the people shall go out and gather a certain quota every day, that I may test them, whether they will walk in my law or not." in the book of Revelation it says the eyes of him who searches the hearts and reins." and it shall be on the sixth day that they shall prepare what they bring in and it shall be twice as much as they gather daily then Moses and Aaron said to all the children of Israel at evening you shall know that the Lord has brought you out of the land of Egypt I'd like someone to go to the head of this chapter, the beginning of the chapter, Exodus 16:1, and read first slowly, please, up until verse 36.
1: Exodus chapter 16 and KJB version. And they journeyed from Elim and all the congregation of the children of Israel came to the wilderness of Sin, which is between Elim and Sinai on the fifteenth day of the second month after they departed from the land of Egypt. Then the whole congregation of the children of Israel complained against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. And the children of Israel said to them, O oh, that we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt, when we sat by the pots of meat, and when we ate bread to the full. For you have brought us out into this wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. Then the Lord said to Moses, Behold, I will rain bread from heaven for you, and the people shall go out and gather a certain coda every day that I may test them whether they will walk in my law or not. And it shall be on the sixth day that they shall prepare what they bring in and it shall be twice as much as they gather daily. Then Moses and Aaron said to all the children of Israel, At evening you shall know that the Lord has brought you out of the land of Egypt. And in the morning you shall see the glory of the Lord, for he hears your complaints against the Lord. But what are we that you complain against us? Also Moses said, This shall be seen when the Lord gives you meat to eat in the evening, and in the morning bread to the full. For the Lord hears your complaints which you make against him. And what are we? Your complaints are not against us, but against the Lord. Then Moses spoke to Aaron, Say to all the congregation of the children of Israel, Come near before the Lord, for he has heard your compla- complaints. Now it came to pass, as Aaron spoke to the whole congregation of the children of Israel, that they looked toward the wilderness, and behold, the glory of the Lord appeared in the cloud. And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, "I have heard the complaints of the children of Israel. Speak to them, saying, At twilight you shall eat meat, and in the morning." you shall be filled with bread, and you shall know that I am the Lord your God. So it was that coils came up at evening and covered the camp, and in the morning the dew lay all around the camp. And when the layer of dew lifted, there on the surface of the wilderness was a small round substance as fine as frost on the ground. So when the children of Israel saw it, They said to one another, What is it? For they did not know what it was. Then Moses said to them, This is the bread which the Lord has given you to eat. This is the thing which the Lord has commanded, that every man gather it according to each one's need. One omer for each person, according to the number of persons that every man take for those who are in his tent. Then the children of Israel did so, and gathered some more, some less. So when they measured it by omers, he who gathered much had nothing left over, and he who gathered little had no lack. Every man had gathered according to each one's need. And Moses said, Let no one leave any of it till morning. Notwithstanding, they did not heed Moses but some of them left part of it until morning and it bred worms and stank and moses was angry with them so they gathered it every morning every man according to his need and when the sun became hot it melted and so it was on the sixth day that they gathered twice as much bread two omers for each one and all the rulers of the congregation came and told Moses then he said to them this is what the Lord has said tomorrow is a Sabbath rest a holy Sabbath to the Lord bake what you will bake today and boil what you will boil and lay up for yourselves all that remains to be kept until morning so they laid it up till morning as Moses commanded and it did not stink nor were there any worms in it then Moses said eat that today for today is a Sabbath to the Lord today you will not find it in the field six days you shall gather it but on the seventh day the Sabbath there will be none now it happened that some of the people went out on the seventh day to gather, but they found none and the Lord said to Moses How long do you refuse to keep my commandments and my laws? See, for the Lord has given you the Sabbath. Therefore he gives you on the sixth day bread for two days, that every man remain in his place, that no man go out of his place on the seventh day. So the people rested on the seventh day. And the house of Israel called its name manna. And it was like white coriander seed, and the taste of it was like wafers made with honey. Then Moses said, This is the thing which the Lord has commanded. Fill an omer with it to be kept for your generations, that they may see the bread with which I fed you in the wilderness, when I brought you out of the land of Egypt. And Moses said to Aaron, Take a pot, And put an omer of manna in it, and lay it up before the Lord, to be kept for your generations. As the Lord commanded Moses, so Aaron laid it up before the testimony, to be kept. And the children of Israel ate manna forty years, until they came to an inhabited land. They ate manna until they came to the border of the land of Canaan. Now an omer is one tenth of an ephah. Praise
0: Praise the Lord. When we read the scriptures, we need to read them slowly and observe what is happening. How many times they're disobeying the Lord to the point that the Lord says. How long will you refuse to keep my laws? Sounds very similar to earlier incident in Egypt. The way God dealt with Pharaoh. How long will it be before you let the people go? How long will you refuse to let my people go? How is it that they witness all of this against their enemy and they're blessed by God, but they're acting like God's enemy over here? How is it possible? How is it possible that when a clear instruction is given, don't leave any of this manna which is bread from heaven? Shouldn't that alone make them so in awe of God? Who has ever seen bread come down from heaven, this manna. No one has seen that. And they were told, with that and the quail, that you will know that it was God who took you from Egypt. When God gives you this miraculous provision, it wasn't enough for them, but it's very telling on our own hearts when we have experienced God's miracles and do what? Become stiff-necked and refuse to do what he says. Receive the benefits but don't do what he says. This is what happened to them. All of this is important for us because we can never grow too holy or too old in the faith to never need a spiritual checkup until we go to be with the Lord Jesus every single person in the family of God needs to have a spiritual checkup and it's done primarily by the Spirit of God showing us from the Word of God what the standard is. It's always humble, faithful, obedience to all of God's Word. Period. That's how we can know whether we're healthy or not spiritually. These people saw miracle. These things fall from heaven, literally. And they were told, do not keep it till the morning. What did they do? Exactly the opposite. Moses got angry. Some of them challenged that. And it began to be filled with these maggots, these worms. It went bad very quickly. A simple instruction. Here's a miracle gift for you. Use it like this. Don't do this. Do it like this. Didn't obey. The anger that Moses had was surely a reflection of God's anger, as we'll see, as we read further in Exodus. And they gathered it every morning, every man according to his eating, it says here, the KJV, or his need. And God designed it. The sun became hot, it melted. And they were told, to get twice as much on the sixth day, so you don't do any work. Don't be concerned about that on the seventh day, on the Sabbath. And they did opposite to that also. Started looking for the manna on the seventh day. After being told, you won't find it. Some of the people went out looking for it. Total disregard and unbelief. And here's where the Lord says in verse 28, how long, notice, it hasn't been too long that they came out of Egypt, but they've done enough that God has to say. How many times, how long will you refuse to keep my commandments and my laws? Can you think about yourself, or people in your family, they refuse to obey God's commandments. They may call themselves Christian. They will not fear the Lord, obey the Lord. You know what they are? Rebels. Stiff-necked rebels. And so are we, if we refuse to obey God. It should cause us to be very disturbed on the inside. That my own family are stiff-necked rebels against God who's kept us alive. And although we have to be the light and show love, there should be a cry from within. Remember the sermon on Nehemiah at least a year ago, maybe a year and a half ago. But being very concerned about the spiritual welfare of our loved ones before it's too late. Make sure we're right with God and cry out to God like Nehemiah did. In certain times we have to be firm, but we better be sure that we are following God before we try to teach other people. That we're doing what he told us to do. Nehemiah went and he pulled the hair of certain people. We think, my goodness, why would somebody do that? He was filled with fury because they were intermarrying with pagans, bringing demons into their midst. People who did not fear God. It wasn't talking about race. It wasn't a racial thing, per se. Speaking about the spiritual quality. How someone asked me, or very recently. How important it is who you marry, the person said. There's an observation. Seeing the devastation that can happen to even people who fear God. Marry the wrong person, that person can take you far from God. Or you may be the cause of that yourself. Or both help each other. Go into self-deception. Do everything against God's will and claim to be Christian. Nehemiah was outraged similar to Jesus when he went into the temple and overthrew tables with coins. We live in a user-friendly soft deadly church culture. We need to be out of that culture. Live the truth. Be fiercely passionate and loyal to the Lord. Do everything he says by the book. Which is summed up in the law of love. Loving God, and loving our neighbor, loving our family, truly. The main thing, keeping the main thing, the main thing, which is the soul What's the use if we have a reunion and a party and all these things? Celebration, whatever it is, whatever the festivity, whatever the occasion. I was working some years ago and sharing the gospel with someone. And the person began to cry as I was sharing the gospel. It was a worker that I hadn't worked with before. The person said, so sad, that person said my uncle was at a barbecue or a reunion, something with the family and he had a heart attack as he was eating a hot dog and died. And I was pouring on my heart telling this person the gospel and come to find out later, this person died also. Suddenly. Same thing. Heart attack. Who can predict what will happen? Because we're used to we're programmed to think that I can plan for tomorrow and think that this is gonna happen and this will happen and this another cycle that comes you see 24 hours 7 days a week 12 months year after year but that natural cycle is brought to a complete halt and a person enters into eternity with no preparation we need to be alert to that all the time And to be able to read the scriptures properly, as we said Sunday, we need the Holy Spirit to help us to stop and consider, how many times do these people do this? And then take it from there and say, how many times am I doing this? Refusing to keep God's word. Then my family. Nehemiah was far removed from Jerusalem. He was well-to-do but when he heard the condition of his people, the city and the gates, the wall, began to weep and cry out to the Lord. He said, I can't be comfortable like this. And his intercession was heard by God. The Lord says, see, But the Lord has given you the Sabbath. Therefore, he gives you on the sixth day bread for two days. There are people who work overtime. Overtime, per se, is not wrong. We have visitors in our church. We can only call them visitors, although they came for probably almost a year or a year. When we first started the church. Most of the family was excited. And they began to seek counsel. Because money was not staying. Big problems. That's when I gave counsel. From the word of God. And we told them. You fear the Lord. Do his will put his kingdom first God will take care of everything else don't touch the Lord's day what did they do? began to look for overtime and another job on Sunday by and by it became difficult to come to church and eventually everybody's gone quite literally they had tremendous problems We have to be people who operate according to God's word, kingdom principles, God first. What God says. You see, they were worried we may not have manna. Maybe we'll run out. Or maybe we have to get it while it's good. Store some up even though we're told not to. God is designed it's so that we depend upon Him. We grow in faith. They wanted a shortcut. Well, if I have enough manna, I don't have to really look to God, do I? Better to have a difficult situation, be close to God, and to have all our problems solved and be far from God. That's His honor. Sabbath day. Six days. You do this on the sixth day. Take it for two days. But don't go out the seventh day looking for it. It's a question of faith. Same thing with children. There are quite a number of people we've counseled who would not have children and decided to wait until they were several years into the marriage and even further because of this inconvenience and worry we may not have enough money children are a gift from the Lord He will provide there is also the will of man involved God gives common sense and wisdom but to say that finances or the lack thereof dictates my obedience or enjoyment, provision, that God has for me, I myself. And to live like the world, calculating and planning, instead of saying, Lord, what do you say? There's a term, fools for Christ. It's exactly the wisest person. person who looks like a fool in the eyes of the world, but is very obedient to the Lord. They've been walking with the Lord. The house of Israel called this name Manna. And the description is there. And the Lord says, You're going to keep this as a testimony of how I have preserved you. I was the one who took you out from bondage and I fed you faithfully. Forty years as we read. The future is written here. They'll be provided for, well provided for. To have faith in the Lord, to go through things like the narrative here in Exodus. To see how the people responded to say, oh no, 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 no that's really bad they keep provoking the Lord what's wrong with these people I better check myself make sure I don't have any murmuring any complaining any unbelief any doubt any gainsaying any clever plan B so possible to know the scriptures in the head and not in the heart to talk about the scriptures and the events. Get a little bit out of it. But never look at myself. The Lord, check me, Lord. Check me, Lord. I don't want the evil attitudes. There's such a thing as an evil attitude. It's not just somebody wanting to murder someone. It's an attitude of ungratefulness. Finding fault with God, with the servants, with God's plan. Acting as if. The whole world revolves around me. My view of things. And how I feel. A dreadful. Thinking disease. When a person comes to Christ. As part of a church. Or a program that God has. Something to accomplish for the kingdom of God. Always thinking about how do I look and what do they think about me we have to know that is straight from Satan we must kill that thing otherwise we will become not only devastated and disillusioned and disappointed never find joy or happiness or a thankful heart but will actually cause others to become greatly affected if not by catching the same disease, by facing loss of time and emotion, slowing the kingdom of God, but instead of saying, "Well, I guess I'm no good, so I don't belong, I'm going to get out." We have heard this so many times in faith-based programs, in missions that we've visited, and they come for prayer or counsel, I can't take it anymore. But where did you come from? It's like the children of Israel. You forgot where you were saved from? I don't like the rules here. Are you getting free room and board over here? They're teaching you the gospel. They're feeding you. I was better off in the street. We need to take that and even if we don't identify with the context of that particular situation we need to know spiritually, it's the same old thing. If I try to complain and find fault with God, forgetting all that He's done for me, that He has a plan for me, to shine for Him, to live for Him, to be overcomers, to be part of His family, that will bring the kingdom of God down by my faithful obedience to God. I'm I'm part of the army of God but if the me is there in the I, it's a dreadful disease that will cause everything to flop. But if I can surrender that I and crucify it, say, it's not I, it's Jesus. I'm here to please you, Lord, so it doesn't matter what you think about me. It only matters what they think about you because I'm representing you. I'm here for you, not for me. I died. Romans 6, I died. When Christ was crucified, I died. Was baptized, I died to myself. I'm alive for Him. That's all. I go to work, you know, for who? For Jesus. I clean up my backyard for Jesus. I go to the store for Jesus. You say, well, how's that? You're going to the store to get you food, to put you, put food in your refrigerator, on your table, and you eat the food. God's not eating the food. How is it for God? You go get clothing from the store, it's for you. You go to work, you're going there, you're working, you're getting the paycheck. It's very easy to see that a person who lives for the Lord, or has been set free from sin and saved, born again, is like a person waking up from death waking up, brand new, just open my eyes, brand new baby. Where does the baby go? It's looking for the mother. Instinctively, feeling for the mother. Instinctively, being nourished by the parent, the mother. Baby doesn't say, I'm going to make my own our dependency is upon the Lord. It's when you read the scriptures and you see also in life that the ultimate bottom line is as I read it, I have to check myself and say, Am I like the Israelites? Is it about me? And as we close, if we should slip, if we should know that God can get angry at us as Christians under His grace, if we do what? Live after another law, the law of sin and death. Deliberately choose, deliberately, choose to be selfish, choose to be angry, choose to be moody, Choose to be unforgiving. That's a living hell. Because that's what the devil is about. But to say, I'm going to keep checking myself. You know how people check their weight when they're on some kind of program? Or measure their muscles if they're trying to build muscle. Or count their points, if they have reward points from some shopping organization, a merchant. Remember a lady on the job many, many years ago, saying, I collect quarters and half dollars. Nothing new. A lot of people do it, but she said... I took my kids to Disneyland last year with the quarters and half dollars I put away. We're able to exhibit patience. At the same time, a keen inventory on what we have and what the goal is, whether I'm building up toward it. It comes to the spiritual growth, stability, strength, usefulness in the kingdom of God. We have to check our progress. We have to make sure we're not a part of anything that is contrary to God's will. Check the attitudes and check those things. We'll be safe. But if I let it go and I begin to wander and meander and take liberties and have a great time, because there is no immediate repercussion I'm I'm cruising already in the wrong territory then when something happens what happens? Adam and Eve syndrome he did it she did it he did it God is showing us how to steer clear of the same pitfalls that we've seen many many people fall into over and over and over again because it's about them not about Jesus Jesus is someone that they go to to make them feel better he can help me out he's a great coach great fireman as far as God whom I fear by whose word I live whose glory I go to work even eat is far removed but when I come to the scriptures and I see the cautions God has and I take heed I can graduate to the next level and the next level and the next level God can rely upon me that I won't speak against him or disobey him trustworthy And the Lord help us to especially in the time of trial time of temptation to know that this Elam is right around the corner God has 70 palm trees and 12 wells of water oh he's got riches God says, all the cattle on a thousand hills belong to me. All the silver and gold is mine. Truly, God owns it all, not the devil. If the enemy is the God of this world, God is the God of the universe. And even the enemy is under his full control. God comes and gives us talents, minus He gives us gold. Everything that we can possibly need. Everything. If God was so much concerned and responsible, He already planned to give them manna. They couldn't wait. He already planned to bring them to these waters. They couldn't wait. Anytime we get a thought of boredom or how long is it going to take I feel like I'm in a no man's land I I don't know where I belong don't you talk that talk because your mouth has been possessed by the devil if you do the moment you get that thought and say curse you in Jesus name I belong to Christ washing his blood God loves me. He's making me an overcomer. And whatever he has for me is only going to get better. That's the truth. God's kingdom expands and we expand along with it. He's an awesome God. Heavenly Father we thank you you have Lord manna you have crystal clear river full of living water for everyone I thank you Lord that the way you diagnose the people of Israel the same way you test and diagnose us every one of us can every day, hallelujah, come out from your clinic, Lord, to clean bill of health. Because we chose to fear you and love you, honor you, do what you said. Now what the devil tried to make us feel, or other people try to push us to do, we checked our attitudes, and there's a progress, like a growth chart for a child. Steady growth because the qualities of Jesus Christ is increasing in us. Thank you, Lord. Holy Spirit, I pray. Cause everyone to receive the word from Exodus 15 and 16 and be fit for the heavenly tabernacle on our way to heaven. Strangers and pilgrims over here on our way to heaven. No baggage. free to walk steadily and to run the race never looking back but reaching forward to the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus every ounce of energy fiber in our being to strive to enter in have that goal every day to please God keep a clear conscience to live like Jesus Shine like Jesus in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation and an untoward generation. We people, Lord, who will represent God like these 70 palm trees and 12 wells of water, perpetual life and peace. Hallelujah. Help us, Lord, to be spiritually minded where in end his life in peace. Lord, I thank you that you've taught us, Lord, about sicknesses, trials, family, the actual state of our families, our responsibility for our own souls and for our families, to cry out, not to live in a pretend world, not to seek to please people, but please God, Rather be people's enemy and a friend of God than the other way around. Oh Father, I thank you Lord. Each of us have seen death. Especially when one is not holy, not ready to meet you. Oh God. My God, help us to keep sober. help us to fear nothing in this life and not fear death because we're walking with the one who conquered death we're walking with you humble obedience thank you Lord purge your church I pray my God purge every person in the church and continue to purge Lord that as you add Father to the church it grows to be a huge tree with many branches providing rest for many people. The Lord, whatever branch is diseased may recover. Whatever branch refuses to recover will be cut off. As you said, I am the true vine and my father Is the gardener. You come to prune, cut away the excess and the undesirable parts of those who seek to grow, seek to love you and fear you. And the others He said that they'll be cut off, gathered up to be burned. We cannot change the word of God. We cannot avoid the word of God. We cannot pick and choose what we like to hear when we like to hear it. But what you give us, the medicine, causes us to be truly healthy, wise, and fruitful, bearing much fruit. My God, I pray, everyone will be fruit-bearing branches, bringing souls to you while keeping themselves ready to meet you, report to you, to hear you say, well done, a good, faithful servant. Moses was faithful in all his house, you said, Lord. Christ over the house is a son. whose house we are, if we hold steadfast to your truth. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen.